I'd like to begin this morning with a story. It's a true story. In fact, it's history. But there's a portion of the history that you may not know. If you do know it already, you can smile when you hear it and nod your head and say, oh, I already knew that. If not, why, you will learn at least one new thing today. The story involves a man by the name of William Rosecrans. Now, William Rosecrans was a general in the Union Army during the war between the states. He had a very successful campaign that went from Murfreesboro down to Tullahoma, Tennessee, over to Chattanooga. In fact, he maneuvered his army in such a wonderful way that the Confederate army under Braxton Bragg just continued to retreat. There were never any battles. And finally, Rosecrans took over Chattanooga, which was a railroad hub leading down to Atlanta, while Bragg and his army went south of the Tennessee border into Georgia in the deep woods around a little creek called Chickamauga. Supposedly it means river of blood in Native American, but who knows what it really means. Anyway, what happened was Rosecrans' army vastly outnumbered Bragg's until Robert E. Lee sent down a whole corps of his army of Northern Virginia under the leadership of General James Longstreet to reinforce Bragg and his Confederate army. And so there was a three-day battle, the Battle of Chickamauga. Rosecrans got all confused during the battle. In fact, he, he kind of lost control of events that were taking place. And what he did is he ordered a whole bunch of his troops to withdraw from one portion of the line and move to another portion of the line where he thought there was a break. Well, there was no break there, so he reinforced an area that was already well defended. But in so doing, he opened a real hole in his line. And what did General Longstreet do? Why, he rushed his men through, and it was a rout. And in a very embarrassing moment in his life, I'm sure, in fact, humiliating, General Rosecrans was the first one not just to lead an orderly retreat, but to run. And he ran all the way back and was the first one to get into the safety of the garrisons at Chattanooga. And wires were going on a telegraph back and forth and back and forth between Washington and Chattanooga. What are you going to do, General? What are you going to do? How are you going to reverse this? And he did nothing. And Abraham Lincoln said, poor General Rosecrans, he's sort of like a duck that's been hit on the head. He's quacking and just swimming around in circles. Now, maybe you're saying, oh, great story, but what does that have to do with Pentecost? If you noticed our reading from the book of Acts, you will notice that there are several terms that are used there, all of which kind of communicate the same thought, but they are different in the degrees of the thought. Listen, here's the first one. And at this sound, that was the sound of the, of the rushing and the tongues of fire on the apostles' heads. At this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered. They were like General Rosecrans. They were a duck hit on the head, quacking and just swimming in circles. They had no idea what was going on or what to do. And then verse 7 says this. And they were amazed and astonished. Two more words that mean very similar things, meaning kind of thrown out of the proper position or disturbed in the mind. 
like a duck hit on the head, quacking and swimming around in circles, not knowing what to do. And, and then in verse 12, Luke records this. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? There's four different terms used there in the original language. Every one of them has just a little bit different flavor, but every one of them really is saying entirely at a loss. Everything is completely out of my control. I don't know what to do. Now, with that thought in mind, I want to turn your attention to some words that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. In the second chapter, here's what he says. You also were once dead in your trespasses and sins. You led your life in those sins, following the ways of this present world and the ruler who governs the air, the spirit who's now working in people who disobey. All of us once lived among them in our fleshly lusts, doing what our flesh and mind wanted to do. By nature, we deserve God's anger just like all the others. Paul's talking very specifically about original sin, being conceived and born into sin, and the result of that being, once we're born and begin our earthly journey, to be just like General Rosecrans, a duck that's been hit on the head, that's quacking and just swimming around in circles, has no idea what to do, lost, we call it, condemned, the Scriptures tell us, deserving nothing but eternal punishment and the wrath of God, Paul says. So what's the miracle of Pentecost? Is the real miracle of Pentecost that the apostles were able to speak to people in their native tongue so there was no translation problems in the gospel message? Or is the real miracle of Pentecost the power of God's Holy Spirit taking lives completely out of control in sin and death and making them alive. Ezekiel's prophecy was speaking about this in our Old Testament reading, wasn't it? The people of Israel were just like General Rosecrans. And in fact, what did they say? We're hopeless. We're lost. We're dead. But God says to Ezekiel, no, you prophesy to the dead bones, I will bring you back to life. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the celebration of Pentecost. That's the message for this morning. Because the same Spirit that worked in the lives of those people in Acts chapter 2, the first century New Testament church, worked in your lives. How do we know? Well, first of all, we confess Jesus as Savior and Lord. We began our service that way, didn't we? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and all of you said, responded by how God reveals Himself as the triune God. We know that the Father sent His only begotten Son into the flesh to die for our sins. And it's by the power of God's Holy Spirit working through His Word, the waters of holy baptism connected with that Word, bread and wine, that is the body and blood of our Lord and Savior, also connected with that Word that brings life that takes away the confusion and the hopelessness of sin, it completely changes us. 
We're created anew. We are born again. That's the miracle of Pentecost. When that doesn't happen by the power of the Holy Spirit, here's what it sounds like. But others, mocking, said, they are filled with new wine. Isn't that the way the world responds today? And I've got to tell you, it's the way the world's always responded to the message of the cross. Paul tells us in Corinthians, it's foolishness to those who are perishing. But if you're like me, it does seem like the walls are crashing in at an ever greater rapid pace today. As we look at the news and what's going on in our country, indeed in the world, I'm sure that you are filled with frustrations and concerns, just as I am. But that's exactly what the world, outside the power of the Holy Spirit working in hearts through God's Word, that's exactly what it does. That's what it's always done. That's what it looks like. It mocks. It scoffs. It attacks. It tries to diminish. But what do we do? What do we who God's Spirit has filled us with faith and new life, what do we do? What did Peter do? Peter's just completely under control, isn't he? The duck's not quacking in Peter anymore. He's not spinning around in circles. What does Peter say? He just simply says, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known. Give ear to my words. These guys aren't drunk. They haven't been out drinking. This is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Where does Peter take everyone there? Scoffers? And the 3,000 were told that come to faith by the power of the Holy Spirit that day. Where does he take them? Same place we go today. To the Word of God. I don't know whether your pastor put together this order of service himself or whether he pulled it from other services or, or how he put it together. But I hope you've been paying attention to what we've done throughout this service and to what we're going to continue to do. Because what we've done and what we're going to do focuses on who we are as God's people, the power of God's Spirit in our lives, and what gives life purpose and meaning and direction. Were, were you focusing with me? Let me, let me read some of the things that, uh, that we've already done. We confessed our sins, and then I said this, God forgives us no matter how often or how grievously we have sinned. God's power to save is greater. I just communicated the Word of God that says, for the sake of Jesus, all your sins are forgiven. They're removed as far as the east is from the west. You are free to live, no longer enslaved to sin. And what did we do after our Old Testament reading? I said, God, give us obedience to know. And here's what you responded with. That the Word empowers us to live lives of forgiveness. That's what it means to be a Christian, isn't it? We live in the absolving light of Jesus' love. We forgive as we have been forgiven. Relationships are restored and built through that grace. I said, God, give us joy to know. And you responded that nothing is more beautiful than the Word of God dwelling in us. And that's by the power of your Holy, God's Holy Spirit. In the dialogue prayer that we're going to say right after the sermon is over, I'm going to say, God, give us courage to know. And you're going to respond by saying that your Word 
gives us endless blessings. Give us comfort to know, and you're going to respond, that you'll never leave us, that you'll never forsake us. Living in the joy and the peace of the grace of God leads us to do what? Well, let's see. We prayed. God, give us grace to know. And you responded. The joy of participating in learning the Word of God. You see, that same Holy Spirit that worked in the lives of the apostles and the first century Christians works by the power of the Spirit in our lives today too. Be in the Word. Celebrate the wonder of God's grace and the guidance that that Word gives. I'm going to say God, or we said God give us love to know, and you responded that you equip us joyfully to learn the Scriptures so that we might do what? Do you remember what you said? We might share them in love. See, there's a lot of people out in the world right now that are like ducks hit on the head and they're quacking and swimming around in circles. They're completely lost. They're out of their minds. Life has no meaning. They're dead in trespass and sins. And you and I have been entrusted with the message of reconciliation. And the power of God's Spirit working through His Word does what? Enables us in love to let them know that God loves them too. And then we're going to say in just a few moments, I'm going to say, God, give us faith to know and you're going to respond that the Holy Spirit continues to guide your church through the gift of your word. What a treasure we have. God's Holy Spirit working in our lives created that faith in our hearts and now empowers us through that word to go and do what? Be the people he's called us to be. Let your light so shine among men that they may see the good you do. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Amen? You can say amen if you're with me. Amen? Amen. Amen. amen.